Isaiah chapter number 39. Let me remind you just a moment of our study in the life of Hezekiah. What have we already seen? Well, we saw Hezekiah uh, come to be king. His father Ahaz was king before him. And his father Ahaz was a wicked king. Matter of fact, his father Ahaz had took away worship, took away, closed the door to the temple, and would not allow Israel to worship, and led them into idolatry. We saw Hezekiah bring Israel back to a place of worship. They restored the temple. They cleansed themselves. The priesthood cleansed themselves. <coughs> and then what do we find? Now Israel begins to worship again. We see them taking the Passover. Then we find that in the midst of that revival and restoration, that the king of Assyria comes against Hezekiah and Israel. And when the king of Assyria comes against Hezekiah and Israel, he besieges some of the walled cities. And yet Hezekiah, in that moment, had a falter in his faith. And he tried to make a deal with the king of Assyria. But aren't you glad today that God intervened? And God intervened in a mighty way. Hezekiah finally turned to the Lord. And what do we find? God delivered Israel from the king of Assyria. Then we find out, too, at the same time all that was going on with Assyria, that Hezekiah was sick unto death. And being sick unto death, he cries out to God. God restores him, gives him 15 more years. And then as God restores him, now here we what we have. We have Hezekiah that now is free from the affliction of Assyria. We now have Hezekiah that is free from the sickness that was going to lead him to death. And now we find Hezekiah with no circumstances and everything is going good. But can I tell you when that happens? But wait. You say, why is that? Because that's when you're the most vulnerable and the most weak. You just say, wait a minute, I'm the most vulnerable and the most weak when everything's falling apart. Oh, no. You're the most vulnerable and the most weak when nothing's falling apart. You say, why is that? Because that's when confidence in the flesh begins to rise up. And that's when pride begins to set in. The passage we're going to look at is God giving us an account of Hezekiah's pride and what God did to break Hezekiah of that pride. Now, when I say the word pride, the first thing that goes to our mind is someone that is haughty, someone that is brash or bold, someone who wants everybody to see them. And listen, is that a form of pride? It is. But can I tell you, pride can even be something secretive. Can I tell you, you can have pride inwardly, even though it don't show outwardly. There's many times in my ministry is over the years where I've seen individuals that truly had a true work of God in their life. And then all of a sudden, as they begin to grow in grace and knowledge, there's a spiritual pride that began to set in. And this spiritual pride begins to set in their heart. The most deceptive sin you're ever going to deal with is pride. The most destructive sin you're ever going to deal with is pride. And you say, well, preacher, I'm not prideful. I, I try to stay behind the scenes. I try not to be seen. I, I try to stay behind the scenes so I'm not seen. Can I tell you, even that can sometimes be pride. Because a lot of times we take pride in our humility. 
You see, pride is something that is very, very deceptive. And what we find, you say, well, why would God give us all this about Hezekiah and, and this issue of pride that he went through? Because I want to tell you something. God in his mercy and grace is trying to warn us, trying to help us that we don't walk in the steps of some of the others. I mean, you have so many accounts in the Old Testament. I mean, you see Noah, after, after God brings the ark to a rest on dry ground, what do you, what's the, one of the first things we see about Noah? He builds an altar, he worships, praise the Lord, but what's the next thing we find? He gets drunk. And his sons have to walk backwards with a sheep to cover him up. Why does God give us all that information? Because God is trying to help us. That we don't walk in the same steps and the same paths as some of these Old Testament saints. Now, here's the thing. You and I have something those Old Testament saints didn't have. And you say, what is that? If you're saved today, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They did not. So it even ought to be more true for us that we don't walk in those paths than it was for them. Because you and I have the enabling power of God that they didn't have in that same form. So Hezekiah, God gives us some details about the end of his life. I want you to look at them with me for just a moment. I want you to look first at verse at chapter 39. If you would please stand in rever reverence to the reading of God's word. It says, at that time, Merodach Baal-Adan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters to present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. And Hezekiah was glad of them and showed them the house of his precious things and the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. Let's pray. Father, would you use this passage in our life to help us? I thank you for what you've done in the early service. And Father, I pray again in this service, you would manifest yourself in a unique and a mighty way. And we'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen. You may be seated. I want you to look first at the reason for the pride. What led to the pride that creeped into Hezekiah's life? Now, we see here that his pride had to do with that of boasting about what he had and wanting everybody to see what he had. And as I've said earlier, pride can become in many, many forms. And, and the most dangerous and the most deceptive of all pride is what I call religious pride or spiritual pride. And that's when someone begins to get prideful about their walk with the Lord. And prideful about their, their understanding of the word. And prideful about how they fellowship with God. That can be the most dangerous of all forms of pride. But yet at the same time, there can be a pride whereby we want to be seen. And whereby we want to be recognized and we want to be noticed. And that can be a form of pride. And that was the form of pride that Hezekiah had in his life. Notice a couple of things here with me. I want you to look first at 2 Chronicles chapter 32. We're going to be spending some time in chapter 32 of 2 Chronicles, but we're going to primarily take it out of Psalm 39. The 2 Chronicles chapter 32 and verse number 25. The Bible said, But Hezekiah 
rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him. Now verse 24 talks about when he was sick and he prayed and God healed him. And so what does it say? God gave him 15 more years. But what did Hezekiah do with those 15 years? He rendered not again according to the benefit that was done unto him. For his heart was lifted up. There's the pride. Therefore there was wrath upon him and upon Judah and upon Jerusalem. So what happened? Well, Hezekiah now is, is living in a time of prosperity. Notice the prosperity that comes here with Hezekiah. He is prosperous in a couple areas. He's prosperous, number one, in his physical health. Now all of a sudden he's not sick. God's given him more years to live. But he's also prosperous in his material possessions. Now all of a sudden as king, he has much. He has much gold. He has much silver. He has much possessions. And now all of a sudden, he has good health. He has much possessions. And can I tell you what happened? It went to his head. And now all of a sudden, Hezekiah looks at these things from a whole different perspective. You say, what do you mean he looks at them from a whole different perspective? Well, where did they come from to start with? The source of the prosperity. Well, we find this out in, in 2 Chronicles again in verse 32. Verse 27, 28, and 29 it gives us the, the chronicles of all that Hezekiah had. But look at verse 29 specifically. Moreover, he provided him cities and possessions of flocks and herds and abundance. For God had given him substance very much. So where was the source of all his prosperity? Who, who gave him hell? Who gave him the possessions that he had? Where did all this come from? The Lord did it. God gave it to him. How many of you agree today that if you're saved today, you don't own anything? You say, well, preacher, I own a lot. I have a car. I have a house. I have a bank account. I have a savings account. I have a retirement account. I own a bunch. No, you don't. If you're saved today, he owns it all. You say, well, I don't like that. Well, it's not up to you. The Bible says you and I are stewards. What is a steward? Not an owner. A steward is one that takes care of the property of somebody else. So in other words, the Bible says we're stewards. So what happened to Hezekiah? God had blessed him. He, God was the source of all this prosperity. But here's what happened. Hezekiah began to see it as his. And he forgot that the Lord gave it to him. And when you and I do that, folks, here's what's going to happen. You're going to look at what you have. And you're going to be proud of it. But how many you agree today, you say, well, preacher, I've worked awful hard for what I have. Well, guess what? If God didn't give you the strength and the health, you couldn't have done that. You see, here's what keeps you and me from walking in pride in this area of our life. You always remember that I'm not worthy of anything. I don't have anything other than Him. And everything I have is His. Therefore, anything I have, He ought to be able to get to anytime He wants to. And by the way, if He wants to, He can take it away anytime He wants to. And when you do that, then guess what? You're not going to get proud of what you have because you're going to realize you didn't have anything. Are you all with me? Say amen. 
I mean, this is, this is what keeps this from happening. But yet for Hezekiah, all of a sudden, this became a source of pride. And, and so you see the source of his prosperity, but notice the specifics of his prosperity. He had great riches. He had great uh, uh, affluence of gold and silver and spices and all these things. And so he, what do we have here? We have an absolute laying out in verse 2 of chapter 39 of Isaiah of all the things that he had and all the things that he had occurred as God had blessed him, as God had done a work, and as God had restored Israel and elevated him to be king. And now all of a sudden, what do we find? Here's Hezekiah has all these things. But he's forgotten that God gave it. And he's forgotten that it all belongs to him. And so what you find is you find the reason for his pride began with the prosperity of Hezekiah. But notice the second thing. Not only the prosperity of Hezekiah, but the praise of Hezekiah. Notice what it says in verse 1. It says that the king of Babylon sent letters to, to, and a present to Hezekiah. For he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. Now, if you, if you go over to 2 Chronicles, you find out that not only did they hear about he was recovered from sickness, but they also heard that God had delivered them from the king of Assyria. Now, why is that important? Because Babylon was also being besieged by the king of Assyria. And so they came, and why did they come? Well, from Hezekiah's uh, mindset, they came to say, Hey, can I tell you something, Hezekiah? You're a blessed man. Wow! I, I mean, look what all you have. Look, look what's happened. You were sick. You should have died. You're not going to die. Look what you have. Boy, look what, what, what happened here. Now you're free from Assyria. You're a blessed dude. Then you say, preacher, I, I don't have a problem with that. Well, can I tell you something? There's one thing your flesh and my flesh loves. Can I tell you what it is? We like to be applauded. Y'all say amen. You say, I don't like that. All right, let me put you to the test. You got up this morning. You worked so hard on that hair. You made sure that you chose something that looked good on you. You come in. Somebody walks up to you. And says, wow, your hair looks so good today. How do you respond? I wish they wouldn't say that to me. Or do you go, oh, thank you. I worked hard on it this morning. What does that tell you? You and I like praise. So now get the picture. Here's Hezekiah. God's done all this for Hezekiah. He's healed him. He's delivered him from the enemy. And now all of a sudden another country and another king comes to Hezekiah and begins to praise him. Oh, Hezekiah, how blessed you are. How blessed you are. Oh, Hezekiah, how much you have. How blessed you are, Hezekiah. You say, well, how do you know Hezekiah liked this? Because the Bible said he liked it. Look at verse 2, verse 4. And Hezekiah was glad of them. What does that mean? He rejoiced that they came and wanted to see. He rejoiced they came and wanted to praise him. He liked it. And so what do you find? You find the prosperity of Hezekiah, but then you find the praise of Hezekiah. 
Let me give you a quote, okay? Here's a quote from an old Bible scholar. Heights bring dizziness. And few people can walk in the heights of man's applause without being afflicted with a bad case of pride, which causes men to fall into many foolish acts of conduct. Heights bring dizziness. And so what happened to Hezekiah? Well, he's praised. He has much prosperity. He now sees his prosperity from an unbiblical fashion. And then, and copying all that out, notice the perception of Hezekiah. How many agree perception can be absolutely a lie? Many times we perceive things that are not true. Why? Because we just perceive it that way. And we act as if it's true, but many times it's not true. We find this proven in the life of Hezekiah here. You say, why? Because what did he do? Well, he went and showed everything he had to the king of Babylon. Why did he do that? Because Hezekiah perceived that the king of Babylon was just out to praise him and rejoice at what happened to him. And the king of Hezekiah did not understand that the king of Babylon was really on a mission to spy out what he had and seek alliance with Hezekiah. See, here's what happens. When you and I lose focus of where everything we have comes from, the Lord, and, and what, all, what all we're not worthy of, but what the Lord has given us. Listen to me. When you and I lose focus of that, you start losing discernment. And you start perceiving things that are not true. Because now you're seeing things through the eyes of self instead of the eyes of the Spirit. Because here's what happens. What did Hezekiah do? Well, Hezekiah looked at all that he had and all that was going on. And he began to use it as a source of pride. Now, Hezekiah was, I have, I have, I have. Not God you did. God you did. God you did. I have, I have, I have. And so what happens? Now Hezekiah does not have a discernment about what the king of Babylon's up against. Why? Because he understood the king of the Babylon at that time was a weak nation. They were under, under the severe hand of the Assyrians just like he used to be. And he thought there's no way they could ever be a threat to me. Because his focus was I. Not the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Do you get easily offended? Can I tell you why? Can I tell you why I get offended? You say, preacher, you get offended? I do. But can I tell you why I do? Pride. Let me ask you a question. Without Jesus, you can do. Without Jesus, you are. So how could you get offended if you see yourself that? Y'all say amen. I mean, that's the truth. You see, that's the reason you take up your cross. Because you see yourself as what? Crucified with Christ. In other words, you see yourself as dead, but yet you're alive. But it's not you, it's Christ in you. Therefore, guess what? You can't get offended very easily if you don't see yourself as something. You say, well, preacher, he hurt my feelings. Well, let me ask you a question. What feelings did you have that got hurt? Well, 
he shouldn't have said that about me. Well, let me ask you a question. If your eyes are on him and not you, how would you get hurt? A dead man's laying in this coffin right here. I walk up to it. And I say, man, you ugly. I mean, you just dog ugly. You just ugly ugly. Does he get offended? Why don't he get offended? He's dead. Well, the Bible says you're dead. That's the reason the Bible says we're to die, what? Daily. You keep yourself up on the cross. Why? Because if you're on the cross, then guess what? Jesus is alive in you. Y'all get that when you get home. Amen. All right, so look, look what it said. So the perception. Now he had a wrong perception about the king of Babylon's attempt. All right, now, let's go to the second thing. Not only the reason for the pride, but the revelation of the pride. Now, I want you to see this. Boy, I want to tell you, this got me. There, turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 32, in verse number 31. <coughs> Watch me. Watch this with me. God sometimes allows you to walk in this path. He doesn't initiate it. He doesn't tempt you with it. But he allows it to happen. Why? Watch what it said. Verse 31. How be it in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land. God left him. Is that word not shock you? Why did God leave him? To try him. Why does God want to try him? That he, Hezekiah, might know all that was in his heart. Oh, here's the revelation of it all. You say, what took place? Well, you say, preacher, I don't believe that. The Bible says God will never leave us nor forsake us. That's not the type of leaving it's talking about here. What it's saying here is God left Hezekiah to himself to make his own decisions, to walk in his own pathway, to walk in his own way. And God did not check him. God did not try to pull him back. Why? Because God wanted Hezekiah to see something God was seeing about Hezekiah, that he had pride in his heart. And God had to let Hezekiah see it because if Hezekiah didn't see it, he would have never repented of it. Have you ever thought that sometimes God will let you walk your own path? Just to let you see how weak you are without Him? One of the most humbling things that God ever allowed in my life is when God had to show me That I'm not a good preacher, I'm not a good pastor, I'm just a vessel. And God had to literally jerk the starch out of my service. Because without Him, I can do. So what's the revelation of this? The revelation is God was going to reveal Hezekiah's heart to Hezekiah through this. Let me ask you a question. Did God know what Hezekiah was going to do before the king of Babylon ever came? All right? So why didn't God stop him? I mean, listen. The king of Babylon had to travel a good ways to come see Hezekiah. I mean, his chariot wheels could have fell off. Y'all say amen. I mean, listen. There's many things God could have done to stop it from happening. 
Why didn't God stop it? Because he knew that if he didn't stop it, Hezekiah wouldn't see his heart and his pride. One of the greatest loving things God will ever do to you is let you see yourself the way he sees you. All right, so, so let's look at this with me. So what do we find here? We find the reason for the pride. We find the revelation of the pride. But notice thirdly, the realization of the pride. All right, so now all this has happened. Hezekiah has went around with the, with the king of Babylon. He said, oh, listen, thank you. Thank you so much for thinking I'm blessed. I, I really appreciate it because I really am blessed. Let me show you how blessed I am. Oh, look at this. I mean, look at all this gold. Look at all this silver. Hey, look at this. Oh, look at this. Look at all the spices and anointment I am. Boy, isn't that precious. I mean, God just so blessed me so much. I, I just want you to say, let me show you this. Let me show you that. Let me show you this. Let me show you that. And now all of a sudden, oh, that pride's acting. So now God's got to show him. So what does God do? Well, he sends Isaiah, the prophet. Why Isaiah? Well, Isaiah was the, of Hezekiah's life, the most trusted prophet in Hezekiah's life. And so watch what Isaiah does. Isaiah, verse 3 says, Then came Isaiah, the prophet, unto King Hezekiah, and said unto him, What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, they are from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. Now, do you find something peculiar in this verse? How many questions did Isaiah ask? How many, how many questions did Isaiah ask? Two. In that verse. How many of those questions did Isaiah, uh, Hezekiah answer? He answered where they're from. But he didn't answer what they asked him. Why do you think that is? You ever been caught doing something and you get embarrassed? And you want to cover it up? Y'all have never done that. <laughs> Man, I must be the only sinful one here. <laughs> Y'all ever got caught and got embarrassed and wanted to cover it up? What was the one thing we find Hezekiah, the two failures of his faith that we've already studied, what were they? He tried to make a deal with the king of Assyria. He tried to make a deal with Egypt. Two people that he wasn't supposed to make a deal with. Could it be that the king of Babylon, remember he came to spy out, but could it be the king of Babylon came and tried to enter into an alliance with Hezekiah? And Hezekiah knew if he said that to Isaiah. He'd be exposing himself. You say, well, preacher, you can't prove that. I can't, but don't it fit? So, but he did answer the second one. But notice, notice this. So what do you find here? You find first the confrontation of pride. So where does Isaiah just really nail it home and confront his pride? Well, it comes in the next verse. In verse 4, then said he, what have, you, what have they seen in thine house? Now, i got a question for you. How did Isaiah even know that he showed them everything? Well, Isaiah is a prophet of who? He's come to give the word of who? The Lord showed him. So what does God do? God sends a prophet to put his finger on exactly the manifestation of the sin. And so now Isaiah said, what did you show him? 
And this is the confrontation. Hey, listen, the glorious thing about God is He always has a word to put His finger on the places of our life that need attention. So watch this. Not only do you see the confrontation, but notice this. You see the confession of pride. So what does Hezekiah say? Oh, no, I really, really, I say, I, I just want you to know, I didn't show them much at all. I, I really, I showed them maybe a little things in the front door. I mean, that's really all I did. I, I tried to be very discreet. I tried to be real humble. I'm really proud of my hum humility. Is that what Hezekiah did? No, he confessed. What did he confess? Watch what he said. And Hezekiah answered, All that is in my house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures have I not showed them. See, here's the greatest thing going to happen to you and I. When God puts his finger on those areas of our life, those little seeds of pride in our life, here's the first thing you need to do. You need to learn from Hezekiah. You just need to confess it for what it is. You say, preacher, if I confess my pride, I mean, really, I, I'm really uh, turning on myself. Oh, well, listen, you need to turn on yourself. And see, Hezekiah confessed his pride. Do you know what confession means? 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Do you know what confession means? A confession just means to say about your sin what God says about your sin. In other words, if you're not willing to see it as God sees it, then you're not going to repent of it. Because here's what we do. Well, you know, preacher, I, I, I admit... I do have just a little bit, maybe maybe a little bit. Every now and then I, I think highly of myself more than I should. And, you know, I know it's wrong, but listen, I, I'm nowhere near that other man. Listen, you, you, that ain't confession. I remember I was watching a, a documentary of Bertha Smith. And Bertha Smith talked about when she was in college. Before she went to the mission field. And Bertha Smith said, you know, there was this day that I was taking a test in college. And I took a glance over to my neighbor's paper. Listen to what Bertha Smith said about this years later. She's in her 70s when she gave this testimony. She said, isn't that wicked? She saw it the way God saw it. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Some people ask me, why don't you go to the back door and shake people's hands like other, every other preacher in Baptist churches? Y'all want me to give you the reason? I don't need you to help me with my pride. I struggle with it enough. Let me tell you what God used to break me of that. I was standing at the back door greeting someone not here somewhere else today. I don't look around. Who was he talking about? And this man walked up to me. Now, here's the thing about this man. He slept through my whole sermon. I mean, I could have said we're going to Mars, and he wouldn't have known any different. Y'all say amen. He didn't hear a word. Y'all got the picture? He didn't hear one word I said. He kept his head down like this the whole time I prayed. Never, ever looked up. Just kept his head like this. 
slept through the whole thing. You say, how do you know? Because every now and then. I mean, it was awful. So he walks up to me back there, Brandon, at this other church. He shakes my hand and said, Preacher, what a great sermon. Now, <laughs> you better be glad I was in the spirit and not in the flesh that day. Y'all say, you say, what did you do? I didn't say a word. I just said God is good and I went on. But let me tell you something. See, I don't need help with pride. Y'all say amen. It's not that I don't love people. That's the reason I go around before and try to shake as many people's hands as I can. Because I, I love, I love, I love, I love uh, you folks. Uh, but yet at the same time, I, I, I have to protect myself. Someone asked me, said, said uh, somebody asked me one time, said, well, preacher, all these other preachers have these big old leather chairs. They sit up here. Why you sit down there? Two reasons. Number one, I'm not to be the center of attention. The Lord is. Number two, I want to worship just like y'all want to worship. I was preaching at one church, and the pastor not only sat up here during music service, he sat up here the whole time I was preaching. Are y'all getting the picture? Say amen. I mean, listen, this, this is where Hezekiah was. All right, so now, so what's the results of the problem? Look at this with me, okay? We're going to move quickly. Can you all move quickly? Say amen. So what was the result of the power? Number one, it was a told consequence. Look what it said. Isaiah said to him in verse number five, Isaiah said Isaiah to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold the days come that all that in thine house and that thy fathers have laid upon in store unto this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons they shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the place of the king, or in the palace of the king of Babylon. Watch this. It was a told consequence. God, God said through Isaiah, tell Hezekiah what's going to happen. Now, do you find it unique that the main thing God told Hezekiah was going to happen was dealing with the main thing that he was prideful of, his possessions? So what does it tell me? Well, not only was it a told, a told but it was targeted consequence. God targeted the very thing Hezekiah was proud of. Does God want to share your heart with anyone else? Or anything else? So why do we think it's cruel if God removes something that we're giving our attention and our affection to more than Him? That's grace. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So not only was it a told consequence and a target consequence, it was a tragic consequence. Because what else did, did Isaiah say? Well, he said, listen, the word of the Lord. In other words, this is set in stone. This is, is going to happen. He says, your children will become eunuchs. So what was the response to this problem? Here's where it gets really good. 
So now, I want you to put yourself in Hezekiah's position. God's just told you because you lifted up these things and you forgot that I'm the one that gave them to you and I'm the one that provided them and without me you have nothing. And Hezekiah lifts them things up. Look what I've got. Look what I've got. Look what I've got. And God says, I'm going to take all that away from you. What would be your response? Well, notice Hezekiah's response. Oh, boy, it's revealing. Look what it says here. The receptive heart of Hezekiah. Watch what it says. Verse number 8. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. So let me ask you a question. If, if God came to you and said, All right, listen, I'm going to trim all this stuff out of your life that you're, that's so precious to you, that you've lifted up your heart towards instead of me. All right, so I'm going to trim all this out of life. W- would your response be, Yes, that's good. What would your response be? Wait a minute. Hold on. Back up the horses just a little bit. What did Isaiah say? Good is the word of the Lord. Hey, he's saying good to a message of judgment. How can he say good to a message of judgment? Here's the reason. Because Hezekiah has come to the place of recognizing his pride. And Hezekiah has come to the place of realizing, Hey, listen, without God I had nothing. So if God takes what I have away, it's not at all bad for me. Let me ask you a question today. If you're saved today, say amen. So if God never done anything else for you the rest of your life other than saving you, would you still worship? Now, I'm glad God provides. I'm glad God blesses. I'm glad God does all those things. But folks, listen to me. Your salvation is the gift of God. Everything else is just icing on the cake. So can you rejoice over a convicting word as much as you can rejoice over a promising word? God will never leave me for a second. He'll provide all my needs according to riches and glory. Well, glory, good word, good word, glory, glory. But can you rejoice on this? In this word you shall have tribulation. See, Hezekiah rejoiced. Why? Because Hezekiah recognized his sin. See, a person who is repentant will be willing to receive of the Lord whatever the Lord needs to do in his life to keep him from going back to what he repented of. Well, notice this. Not only a receptive heart, but a repenting heart. You say, how do you know he repented, preacher? It doesn't say that he repented here. Oh, but it does in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 32. Look at verse 26. Notice what it says. Remember verse 25, he rendered not according to the benefits God gave him. Look at verse 26. Notwithstanding, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart. So Isaiah confronts him. And what does Hezekiah do? Isaiah says, Hezekiah, you need to understand what God's going to do. And Hezekiah says, yes. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He never makes a mistake. It's a good word. And I'm guilty 
and he humbles himself before the Lord. Notice the restful heart of Hezekiah. Verse 8, chapter 39. He said, Moreover, for thou shalt be peace and truth in my days. Now you may read that and you go, wait a minute. God said he's going to take all your possessions, give it to Babylon. Your children are going to serve as eunuchs. And guess what? God's going to do that. Exactly what he said. But here's something that takes place. Hezekiah's repented of his sin. So what does God do? God knows something about Hezekiah's future that you and I didn't know. You say, what is that? He gave birth to a son called Manasseh. And when he gave birth to a son called Manasseh, guess what Manasseh? Manasseh serves after the reign of Hezekiah, and he takes them back, right back to where Ahaz took them. He was a wicked king. Matter of fact, the worst king of Israel. So why didn't God bring the judgment in Hezekiah's life? That's what Hezekiah's saying. He said, I'm going to have peace and truth the rest of my life. You say, well, how arrogant of you. You don't care if your sons become eunuchs as long as you don't have to suffer the consequences. Oh, that's not what Hezekiah is saying at all. He's actually honoring the Lord. He's honoring the Lord because the Lord showed him grace. And the Lord received his repentance. And the Lord knew that Manasseh was going to take him back to a place of idolatry. And God was going to have to judge Israel because of Manasseh's work. So guess what? God brought it back during that time, not during Hezekiah's time. And so therefore, when you repent, you get to rest. You know when I'm out of fellowship with God? It's miserable. You say, well, preacher, it's not miserable for me. Well, then let the Lord save you. If you can live in sin and not be miserable, then you're not a child of God. Let's just, let's just put it out there. You say, well, preacher, I don't like those judgmental statements. Well, that's what the Bible says. I'm fired up this morning. Y'all say amen. <laughs> Listen, because here's the thing. Hezekiah's repented. And so what does he do? He praises God for his mercy. That the rest of his reign, now with a repentant heart, can be peace and truth. Lastly, and I'm done. The righteous heart of Hezekiah. Where do you find this? 2 Cross chapter 32. Look at verse 32 and 33 and I'm done. I figured I'd get an amen there. Look at verse 32. Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah. Now watch this. And his goodness. Behold, they are written in the vision of Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, in the book of the kings of Judah of Israel. And Hezekiah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the chiefest of the sepulchres of the sons of David. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem did honor, did him honor at his death. So what was the rest of Hezekiah's reign? Goodness, worship, righteousness, obedience, humility. So what was his end of his life? I'm going to give you a word and I'm done. Y'all ready? The Bible says 
He that exalts himself, God will abase. But he that humbles himself, God will what? Exalt. All right, now, watch this. What was the sin of Hezekiah here? Pride. Look what I have. I want to exalt myself. I want to look good to the king of Babylon. I want to show off what I have. I want to show off my king, my kingdom. I want to show off all that I have as king. I want him to think good of me. I want him to be amazed at what I have. And then God penetrates Hezekiah's life. He gets broken. He repents of his pride. When he repents of his pride, now he lives the rest of his reign in humility and in, in, in obedience and seek, seeking God is first in his life. And goodness is what it's taught. And then what happens when he dies in humility? When he dies realizing he's nothing without God, what does God do? They bury him in the choicest sepulchers of the sons of David. And listen, what a privilege. And then it says, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem honored him in his death. So Ezekiah got exalted. But here's the difference. God did it, not Hezekiah. Here's the invitation. It's real simple. Okay? The invitation's real simple. You may be here today. You know you're saved. You remember the day God changed you and you've never been the same. And that your desire for the things of God, for the word of God, for the preaching of God, it's something you can't escape. It absolutely absorbs you because that's what the Spirit of God does. So you know you're saved. But you're just going to be honest. There's this seed of pride. It's been planted in your heart. It's pulled your heart away from Him. And it's something that God's put his finger on this morning. Learn from the life of Hezekiah. Confess it. Repent of it. And let God remove it. But can I tell you another form of pride that's destructive? Can I tell you what keeps most people out of heaven for eternity? They're too prideful to let God show them themselves the way God sees them. They're too religious. And they won't let themselves be seen the way God sees them. So you may be here this morning and you say, Preacher, I, I just, God's been trying to show me myself and I just, I know I'm not a good person. I just, I just, I just don't want to see myself the way God's trying to show me. How about today? Let Him have His word. So, saved, you got a seed of pride. God wants to root out of you. Right here is where you need to find yourself. On your knees, confessing it before God, and letting God root it out of you. Lost, obey God. Let God do a work in your heart. Father, may you have the glory for all that you do in this place this morning. And I'll give you the praise in Jesus' name.